have a word in my heart for you this tonight that I, I truly believe is the word of God. I truly believe this is a word from God. I know every single piece of the Bible, every letter, every page, every verse and chapter is all from the Lord. Absolutely. But tonight I just feel a, a sense, I know in a sense that God has a word for First New Testament church. I really believe that God wants to speak to you. First New Testament. In a way that is to minister to you. And you said something earlier. You said, God, all we're doing is we're speaking to God, his love, that he loves us and we love him in return. And all that was in my heart over the last few days and today was just a word from the Lord. God saying, I want to tell my church I love them. I want to tell my church I'm pleased with them. And sometimes as a church, we need to hear that. We need to hear that God is pleased with us, that God is pleased with what's happening. And it's easy for us to sometimes come and, and look at ourselves and walk in with our failures and see this, this horrible thing in us. But the truth is, Jesus, God is pleased with the Christ in us. And he's pleased with what, God, what he's doing. And what we've, as a church, I believe God is saying, what you have allowed me to do through you, church. So I pray that tonight you'd be encouraged, that you'd be stirred in your faith. I truly believe that this is a word for us. And, and, and my desire at the end of this, and I'll just tell you up front what I, what I pray would happen, is at the end of this, could we just worship and celebrate? And not, this, and not that it's bad to have somber moments, but to have a joyful time in the altar. To really just thank God for him to give us a word to say, I'm pleased with you. And I hope, you don't, I hope you don't hear me when I say that, to say that in a prideful way, that we're some great church or something better than everybody else. We are only what we are because of the grace of God. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God is pleased with us. Because we don't say that we've made ourselves a great church or we've made ourselves a good church. We have only done anything we've ever known to do by His grace working in us. So I pray that you wouldn't hear me say, oh, we're so much better. We're not better. We are just simply wanting Jesus and to walk with Jesus and to love Jesus. And tonight, the sermon that the Lord's put in my heart is really this. It is a church that Jesus is pleased with. And I don't want you to think about it being us, a church today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians 1. And we're going to read us portions of Scripture. And really, all of this has just been in my heart for us to really re- walk through this. And particularly a couple of different things that when I read this and it was just sticking with me so much that Paul says in this statement that he is thankful for this church. He's thankful for the church in Colossians and his heart for them. And he's excited about them because of particular things. But as I was reading, I was as if I was, because it's written by the Lord. Ultimately, God used Paul to pen this. God was pleased with what was happening. Right. And so as I was reading this, I just felt so much the stirring of the Lord saying, this is for you. This is for you, church. And so if we can read in Colossians chapter uh, one, verse three with me real quick, it says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. Which has come to you as indeed in the the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learn from I always butcher that name. Somebody wants to say it, you can say it. Our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made us know he's made to us your your love in the spirit. So I just want to say some things to us tonight. I I, I mean this. I hope like please take it from the Lord. Don't take it from me. Take it from God to us as a church that we can celebrate and thank God that He would say these things to us. 
And when I read, read this passage, there's five things I believe that God wants to say to you tonight, First New Testament. And I'll just tell you right now, these, these are them. The first thing that Jesus wants to tell us tonight is that Jesus is pleased with a church that has faith in him. Jesus is pleased with a church that has faith with him. And particularly this, Jesus looks upon First New Testament and he sees that we have been a church that has had faith in him. We're not a perfect church. We've not always had perfect faith. And we don't always have perfect faith. But Jesus looks upon us and says, you've been a church that has faith in me. When Paul writes this to the church in Colossians, he's telling the church, he's starting off telling them that he's thankful for them because of what God has done in them. He's saying, I'm thankful for God, what God is doing. And what the first thing he says he's thankful for about them is because he's heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. He's heard about their faith in Jesus. And I can honestly say this, that when Paul's saying this, Paul is not just speaking about this mental ascent like we just believe in Jesus. What Paul is saying by faith in this sense is Paul is saying is that this is a commitment to trust in Jesus. It is basically being defined as being anchored in Christ Jesus. This sort of faith that Paul is talking about is not just some, I believe in Jesus, like Satan would believe in Jesus in a sense. But it is this sense of saying, you, I have heard about the faith you have. And the faith that you have has caused you to become so anchored in Jesus. That you are trusting him and you are committing your life to him. You have given all that you have for him. Faith here isn't just the mental ascent, but it is a life that is centered around Jesus. In other words, it is a life that is Christ-centered faith. It is all about Jesus. This is what he says to the church. God is pleased. Paul is excited. Paul is thrilled because this church is saying, Our faith, your faith I've heard about is rooted in simply Jesus. Centered around Jesus. Focused on Jesus. All for Jesus. And so Paul is thankful because this church has found their faith rooted in him. Specifically, Paul says that their faith is not in anything other than Christ. When you read this passage, he says it. He says, what is he thankful for? He's thankful that their faith is in Christ Jesus. And that's what makes him thankful. It's not that their faith, is, their faith isn't in a bunch of different things or in this thing necessarily about God. Or this, it is in Jesus. It's rooted and centered all around Jesus. And this is what I believe God is saying to us tonight, is this. He looks upon us, it's the first New Testament, you have been rooted in me. You have sought to be rooted in me. You have sought to live your life in a way where Christ, I would be the center of your church. And I'm pleased with that. And he'd also say to us, would you continue in that? Whatever comes, whatever happens, whatever's next in this life, whatever thing you wind of doctrine you may hear, will you stay rooted in me? Because I'm so pleased because you have kept your roots in me. You have centered your whole life around me. Will you stay there? And for all of us to say, I want to be rooted in Christ, this is the type of faith we have. A faith that is truly centered around Jesus. We have watched how ourselves as a church have centered our life around Christ. We've watched how people have sought to live their lives around the person of Jesus here. We've seen people not put their faith in things of this life, but they have put their faith simply in Jesus. People have not committed themselves to prosperity things. They have not committed themselves to uh, something else that they may put their faith in. Their faith is in Jesus. This is what Jesus says to us. You have put your faith in me. You have put your life centered around me. You have made me your life. You've not placed your faith in a fake Jesus or a false Jesus or a Jesus that is unbiblical or a half Jesus. But you have placed your faith in me. Remain here. Remain here. 
And as I was thinking about this and praying about this, I just thought I, I could just see the Lord recalling these things to us. And you may be in here and you will be like, what are you talking about? I can think of story after story where this has been the case in this church. He's not here tonight, but you all know Billy McEnroy. You want to talk about someone who's a member of this church at First New Testament? Who's found themselves rooted, centered around Jesus? Who has a faith that Jesus would look at and say, I'm pleased with this faith because you have built your life around me. A man who has Parkinson's. A man who not only has Parkinson's, but has, was battling cancer. A man who in the midst of it all said, I'm afraid of the cancer going away because I, it has brought me to such a place of Jesus. I have been rooted in Jesus. And as a church as a whole, we have had to endure that. To say we'll be rooted in Jesus. But there's so many individual stories. We could, I could literally sit here and give you individual story after individual story. That what pleases God is for Jesus to have a church that is found, they're self-centered in their faith in Christ. Not in anything else. I think of Hannah Middleton, who since she has lived here and moved here, has dealt with sickness in her body. All the while discipling her children to know Jesus. Jesus is pleased with her. And he's pleased with us, church. Because we've rooted our lives in him. Let's not move off of him. Nothing else like stay on Jesus. He is the central of all of the Christian faith. Nothing else matters. He's the simple, the only hope for us. Later in this letter in Colossians, he says in verse 27 that Jesus is the hope of glory. And I, 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 we, we talk about, we have no idea what comes. But what does come, I don't know. But what I do know is can we hold tight to a biblical faith? Not just mental agreement, but a biblical faith that says my life will be centered around Jesus. Not the fake Jesus, not the false Jesus, not a Jesus that is commonplace or a Jesus that is even very comfortable and to our liking or a Jesus that a lot of the church world may come more and more to embrace. But a, the Jesus who the Bible speaks of and live with him, walk with him. So I believe I, I believe with all my heart, just you know, this is not like me to say things like this, but I believe this with all my heart. Jesus is saying to you, he's pleased with us. Let us remain a church that God is pleased with because we have, he sees the faith that we've centered our church, our very life around him and continue in that. So that's the first thing. The, the second thing I'd say that Jesus said is saying to us tonight is not only is the, and Paul and this is all from a Paul's writing this letter. Paul makes a statement, I'm pleased when I, I'm so thankful to the Father because when I look at you, I heard about your faith. But not only that, he says, but I've also heard about your love for all the saints. And I believe with all my heart, God took the scripture and told me to tell you, he's pleased with your love for all the saints. This is what Jesus wants us to hear tonight. Jesus looks upon first New Testament and are we perfected in love? By no means. But he looks at it and says, we have strived to live by faith a life of love towards one another and to all the saints that God has called us to. Paul in this letter, in this moment, he not only is thankful for the faith of the church here, but he's thankful for their love for the saints of God. He uses the term agape love here to identify not the type of, to identify the type of love that he particular saying, this is what you've been known for. In other words, he's saying this, the type of love that the church in Colossians was known for was the agape love and this, a sacrificial love that only Christ Jesus had ever given. 
and lived and demonstrated. And he's saying, church in Colossians, this is what the love that is coming out of you. And I believe with all of our, this is what God has called us to be and what we have walked in. Have we been perfect? No, I'm not up here to tell you we're a perfect church. But I am tell you, up here to tell you this, is that I believe with all my heart we have been a church that has loved. And people can come and critique and say things about whatever they want, but I believe we've been a church that has truly loved one another. I think it is the testimony of our church in so many ways. In other parts of the New Testament, you see that it is clear that Jesus and John both make the statement that the mark of a true child of God and a disciple of Jesus is this, that they love. John 13, we know it. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. The agape love would be the kind of love you would have. You are also to love one another. By this, all the world will know you are my disciples. If you love one another. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever has been born of God and knows God, anyone who does not, does not love does not know God because he is love. And I believe with all my heart, this is the call of the New Testament church. And we have walked in it. We have walked in it. Not only have we been a church of faith, but I believe God is saying, you have been a church of love. You've been a church that has given sacrificial love. A church that is supernatural in love. Because it could not come from you. It had to come from, us, from God. A love that comes from above. Jesus saying, you have allowed me to love through you like this. The testimony of our church and you, body, has been that your love is authentic. Visitors from all over the country have traveled here, and I have heard the testimony time and time again that when they leave, this is the statement they always make, the love is real and authentic. The love is real and authentic. How do they love like that? And we know it's only by God who is able to love through us because we, He loves us. Not only have visitors from across the nation said these things, but it has been people who have joined the church me and Andrew and others who have the privilege of doing membership meetings, the number, and I can tell you this, the number one reason we hear people join this church is because they say the love that they feel from the people. The number one reason. It is not the preaching. It is not what we emphasize. It is the love that you have had for one another. And God says, I'm pleased with you. Pleased with you. Y'all, we need, sometimes we need to hear that God's pleased with us. Are we perfected? No. But is he pleased? Yes. He loves us. And he has seen that love come through this. I was thinking about this and I was, I was talking to different people and I just said, gosh, how many times have we seen this to be true? Because I can speak in generalities about people coming from all over, but I could give you testimony after testimony after testimony of how love has been showered in this church. Constantly. Right now, there's a need in the church of a family who doesn't even have, they don't have the means to get a van and they have too many kids. And you know what? There's people in this church right now who are raising funds for them because they authentically love. This is the testimony. God says, I'm pleased with that. I see your labor of love one for another. There's story after story. I don't remember if, if you know, if you remember Jeff Morris. You remember Jeff Morris? Do you remember how he had that old bus he wanted us to drive? We didn't, we wanted, sorry, we wanted to get rid of it. And it never drove. He bought it broken. Do you remember he was dying of cancer? And do you remember his last wish is that bus would finally drive? And I think it was, I don't know if it was the last month of his life, but it was near the end. 
some of the men in this church authentically loved by fixing the bus just long enough to go for the church body to drive down there, pick him up, and take him around one time in that bus. I love you, church. Thank you for loving. I mean, thank you for being authentic in your love. Thank you for the continual testimony that comes from every mother and and soon-to-be bride that says you have showered me with love. It's hard for you women sometimes when you go to a shower. Two showers a week, it feels like sometimes. If not three, some days it seems. It's usually one or two. Because I babysit my kids. And it can be a sacrifice for us men too. But... Have you heard the testimonies that have come from the people that, that, that have those showers, that receive those showers? You've, your wife has said she has never known love like this. Like, I just love it. I love it. And the Father loves it. And Jesus says to church, I'm proud of you for loving. There are so many things. I, I can think of right now a person who came to this church a year ago, completely gross in sin. Not everybody knew it, but some people did. Gross in sin. And arms were wrapped around this individual. Authentic love has been the characteristic of this church. And Jesus says, I am pleased with it. And all the more could we continue on this. Jesus says, will you continue in this love? I know we can. Because the grace has been given us. And as long as we allow him, as Andrew said, to love us, we can love. And as long as we allow him to say, I love you, I'm pleased with you, we can love. And I pray that we would grow even more and more in the love of God. And there are testimony after testimony. I sent a message out and asked a few girls. I said, could you give me, and they gave me like 30 things. I was like, I can't read all of those things. But I would love for you to even just write down, begin to say, what are the things of love you've seen in this church? How many of you have been blessed by the cooking ministry in this church? All right? I asked Chris Forrester and Rachel, and they said whenever, and many of you don't, I don't know if many of you know their whole story, but they have walked through so much. And they said, in those moments of our darkness when we lost our daughter, and then we had our son, and he was supposed to die, same story, the authentic love came. And we felt Christ. So I just say to his church, Jesus, please with the love that you have for one another. And not just for one another, but all the saints that come and go. I believe we show our love to the body of Christ by allowing our senior pastor to go. And I say, let's continue. God says, please continue. The third thing that Jesus says he's pleased with in his church is this, is that their hope is found in heaven. In this passage, Paul makes the statement that he's, he's thankful because of their faith in Christ, their love towards all the saints, but also because of their hope that they have in heaven. And actually, when you read this passage, it really just shows the statement is saying that it's their hope in heaven that causes them to love and have faith in this context. It's the trio, faith, hope, and love, right? We see it all the time. And in this passage, that's how he speaks of it. He's referring here to not just a hope that is this kind of hope that's like, well, I wish good things would happen. But he's referring to a hope for the glorious reward and the future heavenly blessedness of God's people. He's not speaking of some type of hope that is wishful thinking. But instead it is a hope that is looking forward with eager anticipation and strong confidence to, to the sure promises of God. 
This is what he says. First Peter 1 3 5 says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And Peter would continue on saying, and you love Jesus who you have not seen. You love him. Hope is here, is really hearing the promises of God and knowing that they are surely done and protected for us in heaven. The passage makes the connection that the church in Colossians was a love and faith, that love and faith sprang from this hope that they had for them in heaven. And for us, all I could believe when I heard, when I was reading this and hearing this from the Lord, was that FNT has been a place that truly walks in biblical hope. Not just wishful thinking, but a hope that is truly held on to the promises of God. Uh, A church that has really said, we believe God at His word. It is a place that because of hope, we have the promises of God and we are able to express because of this hope, supernatural faith and love because of the hope we have in Jesus. The hope that we have in the heavenlies, the hope that God's word is true. We have been a church that has truly believed God's word. And I believe that's why we've been able to see things happen in our midst, because we've just believed. We've had hope in him. We've had hope in his promises. We've trusted in his word, trusted in his promises, and we have said that is enough. Whatever he says is enough. I, I, when I think about people of hope from our church, I think about James and Valkenburg. Currently demonstrates hope even before our very lives and our very eyes. Although his outward body is wasting away in front of our very eyes, he believes in hopes and the promises of God that God is the healer. And not only is that he the healer, but in this life, in the next life, he will for sure receive the glorified body. And we all will. He demonstrates what biblical hope is. To not just simply go back and forth, but to say, I know the promises of God are sure. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. James has walked that in front of us. And God looks upon our church, continue to be a church of hope. Continue to be a church that lives this way. I remember, for many of you, you may know the story, many of you, you may not, but Clay Furlow, when he passed away, he showed us what it meant to trust in the hope of heaven. In, a way, in the way that he died, he was 100% sure that his hope was sure that where he was going to be with his king. And I pray that we would continue to be a church that say we are 100% sure that whatever God has said is true. And that the greatest thing, the hope that we cling to really is this, is that it is Jesus. The greatest hope of all, we would cling to Jesus. He is the surety of it all. And he is in heaven right now. And he is making intercession for us. And he is mighty and he is glorious. And that is our hope tonight, is that Jesus is there interceding for us. And all the inheritance we have in him. That he has made possible for us. The continual blessing as Evan, all Pastor Evan always likes to point to. The blessings in Christ Jesus in the heavenlies that we have received. It's because, and when we have hope in that, we receive those things. Evan T, will we be a church of hope? The fourth thing that I believe the Lord has said to saying to us tonight is that Jesus is pleased with the church that is embraced and is advancing his gospel. Paul would go on and say these three things that he's thankful for, but he connects them all to this. The connection to it is because you have received the gospel, because the gospel came to you. 
When you look at the scriptures in verse, I believe it's verse 6, it says, which has, or verse 5, sorry, it says, of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel. In other words, because you've had this hope, you have this faith, you have this love. Why? Because the gospel you have embraced. The gospel you have embraced. So he says to them very clearly, it is all because of the gospel that you live this way, that you have a supernatural faith, love, and hope in Christ Jesus. He makes note of how the church has embraced the gospel, but not only embraced the gospel, but advanced the gospel. In verse 6, he says, which has come, speaking of the gospel, which has come to you as indeed into the whole world, and it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. The gospel has advanced through you. And I believe that God says to us, gospel, you have embraced my gospel. You have not tweaked it, changed it. You have fought for it. You have given your reputation for my gospel. You have done the things necessary to stand for my gospel. And you've embraced it not only in reputation, but you have embraced it with your very lives. That it would be your life would reflect my gospel. That your character would be shaped by my gospel. I believe that's what God is saying to us. And what Jesus wants you to know is that we have, as a church have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ. I need a tissue. Uh, embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. I did. In this manner. That we love the truth of the gospel. That we are wretched sinners apart from Christ. And that we were separated from the Father. And that Christ Jesus came in this earth to make the kingdom of God a reality for us. And to make a way for us to enter into God's kingdom with Him so that we can be reconciled to Him through His death on the cross at the forgiveness of sins and we could enter in and know the Father in an intimate way. Jesus says, you have embraced that. You have preached that. You have lived that. You have called that. And you forgive because you've embraced this gospel. I just say to his church, let us continue to embrace it. Like, y'all, I mean this with all my heart. The, the one thing Satan wants to distort is the gospel. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, is the first importance is the gospel. And Satan wants to distort it. And he will do whatever he can to tweak the gospel and change it. But we have a church must embrace and continue to embrace what Jesus and what Paul has said the gospel is for us to stand on. God has said, you have done that first New Testament. Continue steadfast. Continue steadfast. Not only have embraced, but to advance. We have, been, we have advanced the gospel. Praise God. We have lived a life to say, we want to be a church that advances the gospel. You can think about this in so many different ways, right? Where F&T has become a place that has preached, lived, and advanced all of it. Truly, we've been a church that longs to bear the fruit of the gospel, to see salvations come. And we long for more than we even have now. But I, I, when I think about this, I think, how have we done this? Oh, we've done it in so many ways. I can remember, and I was thinking about this, how many times I remember people going on mission trips. Been on so many mission trips. I, over a hundred for sure. In Jeff Lee's time here alone, when he was here. And all during that time, I can remember how many times there were people who would want to go on mission trips. And they would go on a mission trip because they felt called. And then other people in the body would give financially towards it and, and, and completely pay for them. I think the Smith girls probably went on like 10 mission trips and never paid for one. And you know what that tells me? And, and they didn't pay for it because the body of Christ would continue to give. Just people would come and say, we believe in the gospel advancing. Will you go? 
We have advanced the gospel by sending people into the mission field. We advance the gospel when you give every single month and you say, I give to missions. You are advancing the gospel. And Jesus says, I'm pleased that you give to that. Because you're advancing the gospel. You're believing God to do these great things. I think about the ministries that that the congregation has started. And I say the congregation. We believe as a church here that it is not the, the, the staff's job to just create a bunch of outreaches and say, pick and choose which one you want to go to. Maybe we'll do something like that every now and then. But the truth is what we believe God does is God puts ministry in you. And as he puts ministry in you, you go. And we back you. And you charge, this, you charge this, the, the, the campus of LSU, you did. You charged 3rd Street for years. You charged the international didn't charge them, but you went after the international students. You're running into the schools. You've, you've run to those who a society would say, oh, we can't help them with embrace grace. You ran to the abortion clinics to intercede and to fight. You advanced the gospel. You fought for Jesus' gospel to be advanced in this world. Not only in the outreaches have you done that, but you've done that with your very lives. I even think about Joshua Sines here for the first, not the first time, but one of the few times he's been able to be here in months. There's a message his wife posted today. He said he's been, he's been on turnaround for, what was it, three months? Three months on turnaround. He's only off for seven days, whole time. And the testimony was he was able to share his faith with multiple people. Y'all, it's, it's corporate, but it's individual. We, we are, God is saying you've been a church that has advanced the gospel. You're seeking to advance the gospel. I think about what's coming this Sunday. Three young girls, all under the age of 19, getting baptized this coming Sunday on Easter Sunday. Why? Because three youth girls said, we want to advance the gospel. Three young ladies. And I am so thankful for that. But God, even more so than me, says, I'm pleased that you have taken my, my final words as your first work to go and make disciples. This is what he does. This is what he's done with us. And so for us to be this, not only that thing about the prayer at the Capitol, God was pleased with that. We charged the prayer that we went to the Capitol. Why? Because we wanted to see God move in our state. And church, you did that. You know, it really wouldn't have been much if just the pastor showed up. It was the body. And God looks at us and he says, first assessment, I'm pleased with your heart to embrace and advance the gospel. Fifth and final thing is this. Not only is he pleased with all those things, but Jesus is pleased with his church that is living by his grace. It says in verse 6, it continues on, it says, oh, The whole world is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Paul makes it clear that the church in Colossae had also gained not just those other things and living those things out, but they had an understanding of grace here. The word understanding here is not meant to be just a mental understanding, but it is to have a complete or fuller grasp of something. And I do not say this to puff us up. That we have a better grasp of grace than anybody else. But I'd say this. We've, we've received a revelation of grace that God was, gave us. It has been God that has given us the revelation of grace. And grace has been the strength of this church. And I am proud to say that. And I will not back down on that. We are a church of grace. We believe in grace. We live by grace. We fight for grace. And we stand in grace. And the only means in which we accomplish anything of significance in this life has been by the grace of God alone working in our lives. 
Grace is tied to the gospel. It is necessary. The gospel is a gospel of grace. And for us, grace has been taught for many years by Pastor Lee, who labored and lived, not only labored this grace and preached this grace, but he lived this grace for us to learn. He demonstrated the grace of God in front of us, his dependency upon the divine influence of God in his life to do anything in this pulpit and anything outside of it. He demonstrated it for our very lives. And so we have learned to live grace and not just getting these. It's not we know it's not just these things about getting what we don't deserve, but it is simply this. It is this understanding that we know it is our ability to do anything for God. That is what grace has been for us. It is the divine influence of God that enables us to live and to live for the one who died for us. There is nothing we can do for Jesus apart from the grace of God. Paul would say later in this letter, he'd say, I labor and I toil all these things by the energy of God in me. And that's the grace of God in him, laboring and working in him. Grace is the power of the spirit at work at First New Testament. People come and ask, how does First New Testament do what they do? By grace. And let it be no other way. But by God's grace, we have seen examples of this time and time again in our very congregation. Where we've seen people who have done things to serve God in a way that is above them and beyond them. Many of you may not know the original story of when, even when Wendy went to LSU. She worked on the campus. She went out there. She, if you know Wendy, she's shy. She's not some loud person. She's not evangelist. But she heard God and she said, God, I can't do anything there. And God gave her the grace to begin to walk in faith. And y'all, the ministry that you've seen on the campus of LSU and people who've come to this church today from that ministry was because she was empowered by grace. We are a church of grace. We will be a church of grace. Consider how grace has kept us so many times. I think about the worship team. I think about all that the worship team has come from. It has not been, and, and this is no discredit to the talent. It has not simply been by talent that God has grown them. It has been by the grace of God that they have grown. When you think about them having to do a conference like the prayer conference that we just did, and they did service after service and worship after worship and led us in those things faithfully, and never once did you see them drained. Why? Because there was a grace given them to empower them to lead the body into what God has called us to do to advance his gospel. We are a church of God's power by grace and that alone. And we stand on that. And I believe God says to us as a church, I am pleased that you have given all the credit to my grace in you. Don't take credit for anything else. Don't take credit by anything of yourself. Always point back to my grace that has been sufficient for you in your weakness. And then that he has made us strong to be able to accomplish much for him. And so tonight my prayer is this. Simple truth. I really, I, I pray that you see this. That the word that God is saying is that he's pleased with us. Again, don't hear me say that we're better than any other church. Or that we're perfected. But that God says, to, I want you to know I'm pleased. And because of that, I believe our appropriate response is simply to love him. To worship him. To continue on. To say, Jesus, we want to continue in these things and not even just say we're here we're here in these things and we're comfortable with staying here but god take us deeper in faith take us deeper in love take us deeper in a life that is filled with hope 
Take us deeper in advancing the gospel and embracing the gospel. And take us deeper by the power of your grace to do all that you called us to do. That should be our desire tonight. To say this is the type of church we long for and that we want to be. And the only way we can do it is if we let Jesus build it. Jesus has built this church. I say that with every bit of respect to Pastor Lee. But I know his heart. I love his heart. He would tell you, Jesus has built this church. I say this to you on his behalf. We were talking this week as pastors, and one of the things we were talking about is how proud we are of you. And that's really not as important as how proud Jesus and God is with you. But just for you to know, we were talking, we were just saying, we are so proud of this church. They have, they have answered the bell every time. We've asked them to step up to the plate, and they step up to the plate. We ask them to do things and they come through because they're a church that really desires to walk with God and know God. People from out of town have always said to me, what makes F&T special? And I've heard Pastor Lee give this answer, so I'll go ahead and say it. And I know how the church body is. Usually the church body says, oh, it's our pastor. Pastor Lee's answer usually is this. It's the people of God respond to God. They love God. They just love God. And he says, he, he would tell you, and I would tell you, and Andrew would tell you, and Evan and Joe, it is the greatest privilege to pastor in this church. Because it is an incredible church. And Jesus loves this church. And Jesus is so excited about this church. And he has so much more in store for us. So much more to run after. So much more to believe him for. So much more ministry to be birthed. So much more people to be born again into the kingdom. So much more for you to walk in the power of grace. So much more for us to live centered on Christ and faith. So much more of supernatural love expressed in the way we do things. And so my prayer is this tonight. Could we just like respond to God saying, God, yes. We thank you for telling us you love us. Thank you for giving us a word to say you're pleased with us. But we also hear you say, come deeper. Come a little farther in those areas. Walk a little bit more. Not by, the, not by the flesh, not by the will. By my grace. Receive what I want to do. So if you'd stand with me, I believe that the appropriate response is worship. And I mean joyful worship. I don't mean depressing, somber, sadness. I mean joyful worship to say, we are, we like, I am, I mean this all my heart. I am proud to be part of this church. And I'm thankful to be a part of this church. And I'm excited to be a part of this church because of what God has done here and what he's doing. And I pray that you would too. I pray you'd have that same heart. And we would just say, God, do it all. Whatever you want to do, do it. And thank God. Just Let's just thank him that he has done this. Father, we thank you, God, that you would speak to us so clearly.